Nancy for these banners that she's made years and years ago, and they've held up. So I'm thankful for that. Also, isn't it good to see Bud here out of the hospital and no longer de dealing with the bleeding? And thank God, brother. Thank God. Well, I also want to say thank you to this church for the way you served my family so well in Jimmy's death. The meal you provided, just the many, many things you did. And and I thank you so much. The grief, of course, was heavy. But we thank you for the way that you served and helped during that time. Last uh, Monday morning in my pre-dawn prayers, as I was not even thinking much about it, just out of the blue, I began to think about the nativity story. And... The thought of all of the angels and everything that they did as a part of the nativity story just began coming over and over to me. And I knew that God was saying to me, next Sunday, I want you to talk about angels. <laughs> so this morning, we're going to talk about angels. You remember the Advent candle today when an angel appeared to Zechariah? And said, your old wife, Elizabeth, is going to have a baby. <laughs> Quite shocking. He couldn't believe it. He said, how can I know? And the angel said, you won't be able to speak till after it's born. And, of course, it happened. And that's when the story began. And then when she was six months, when Elizabeth was six months pregnant, the angel Gabriel, the one who had spoken to Zechariah, is the one who showed up at the instruction of God in Nazareth to a virgin named Mary. By the way, in the text in Scripture, it's really Miriam, but uh, we today have decided to live with Mary, but it's really Miriam. That's her real name. And so the angel appeared to a virgin, against to a man whose name was Joseph. I'm reading from Luke 1, 27 and following, of the descendants of David. And the virgin's name was Mary, Coming in, he said to her, Hail, favored one, the Lord is with you. She was greatly troubled at this statement. Kept, what kind of salutation this might be? The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great. And will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will have no end. May answered and said to the angel, how can this be? I'm a virgin. <laughs> the angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow, and for that reason, the holy offspring shall be called Son of God. Now behold, even your cousin Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age. She who was called barren is now in her sixth month. Nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, the slave of the Lord. What an answer. 
be it done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. And you know, Mary immediately went to visit Elizabeth and stayed extensive time with her. And when she got back to Nazareth, already she was looking pregnant. And Joseph, who was her espoused, was shocked. His fiancée had had sex with another man and was going to give birth to a baby that wasn't his. But he was a righteous man. He did not want to expose her to more public ridicule than necessary. And so he decided to privately end the the fiancé's relationship. But then an angel intervened. As he was asleep that night in his dream, an angel appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for that which has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for it is he who will save his people from their sins. And so he took Mary, this pregnant woman, as his wife. A couple of months later, Caesar sent forth a decree that everyone in all of the Roman Empire had to go to the town where his ancestors came from. And Joseph was a descendant of David, and the city of David was Bethlehem. So he had married, Joseph traveled to Bethlehem, and shortly the baby was born, and again, angels intervened. That night, an astonishing thing happened to a group of shepherds outside of Bethlehem. An angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. The angel said to them, Do not be afraid. Behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be for all the people. Today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find the baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. And of course, quickly they rushed to Bethlehem and found the baby exactly as described. Now, some weeks before this happened, there was a group of Persian astronomers slash astrologers They were called the plural is Magoi, singular is Magos. We just anglicized that as Magi. And as they were studying the heavens, something very unusual happened to them. It's interesting, we actually have four copies of the almanac that they wrote describing this. Isn't that something? It was a conjunction of Jupiter and Saturn. That happens only once every 800 years. And they knew this had to be a sign of something that had never been recorded before. And so they began to move in the direction of these two planets and their conjunction. And when they 
got to Israel, there had been a prediction already that there would be some king that would be born. And that was a tradition that it was going about. And so this must be it. And so they went to the palace where Herod was and said, where is he that is going to be king of the Jews? Well, Herod was the king. Uh, he said, I don't know. Uh, and he called a group of Jewish scholars and they said, well, in Micah it says in Bethlehem, there's going to be born a son of David and he'll reign forever. Herod thought, uh-oh, <laughs> I'm in trouble. I'm going to lose my throne. And so he said to the Magi, go find him. As soon as you do, come back and tell me where he is so I can go worship him. He really wanted to kill him. And so the Magi came and remember brought gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And then that night in a dream, we're not told this was an angel, but in a dream some way, they were warned, don't go tell Herod, go back another way. And they did. And then an angel intervened again, this time in a dream to Joseph. And he told them that there were those that were seeking to kill the baby. And so he should take Mary and the baby and travel all the way south, hundreds of miles to Egypt. And that's what Joseph did. When Herod died in 4 B.C., Again, an angel intervened. <laughs> he appeared in a dream at night to Joseph and said, Those that seek the child's life has died. Go back to your hometown of Nazareth. And so that's what they did. And that's where Jesus was reared. Now, this is interesting. Notice the, the amazing role of angels. He appeared to Zechariah preceding the birth of John the Baptist. Angel appeared to Mary, announcing this. Angels appeared to a dream to Joseph. Angels appeared to the shepherds. Angel appeared to Mary, and Joseph said, take the baby and flee. And then an angel in a dream told Joseph, take him back. Key element in the story of our Lord Jesus Christ. Have you ever given much thought to angels? What do we really know about them? Frankly, there's a lot we don't know. It makes no difference how diligently you study. There will always be things about angels that you'll say, well, we just don't know. And there's all kinds of speculation. We want to avoid speculation. In my research, here's what I found. 256 times in the Old Testament, angels are mentioned. In the New Testament, I found 172 times when angels are mentioned. Think of that. That's a total of 428 times in the Bible that angels are mentioned. <laughs> I never realized that before. So any honest person has to admit that there's a lot about angels we don't know, but from the scriptures we can know a lot. First is the name itself. Now the Greek word is angelos, and it simply means messenger. And that word is used both for human messengers as well as heavenly messengers in the New Testament Greek. And translators, instead of translating it, messenger, they've just anglicized it into angels. The Old Testament word is malach, in Arla, M-A-L-A-C-H, in English alphabet, malach. And it means messenger. 
It's interesting to me that in the Old Testament, the translators, every time they come to that word, they just take in the anglicized angla, angelos and just said angels. Interesting, isn't it? But it really means messenger. And these beings are messengers that God uses to communicate to humans and also to serve God in various, various ways. Another interesting thing is angels are created beings. Twice in Scripture, Psalm 148, verses 2 and verse 5, Praise Him, all His angels. Praise Him, all His hosts. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for He commanded, and they were created. And Colossians 1.16 by, for by him all things were created, both in the heavens and the earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones, dominions, or rulers, or authorities, all things have been created by him and for him. And so on and on we could go. Angels are created beings. But here's an interesting thing. They were created before God created the earth. Throughout the book of Job, angels are always called sons of God. That's the way to which they are referred to in the book of Job. And in Job 38, God questions Job about the creation of the heaven. And he said, when I was creating the earth, the sons of God, speaking of angels, shouted for joy. Think of that. They were created but they were created before God created anything else. And as God was creating the earth, they were filled with joy over what he was doing, sang for joy. I never thought about that before until I began doing research for this morning. We have only two angels that are named in Scripture. first one is Gabriel. That's the one that appeared to Zechariah. That's the one that appeared to Mary. Uh, Gabriel is uh, mentioned in Daniel chapter 8 and chapter 9. And the other one is Michael. Michael, every time he's presented, is either he's the guardian angel over Israel or else he's the angel that leads the hosts of God to fight the hosts of Satan. He's so pictured that way in the book of Revelation. And these two are called archangels. In other words, angels who have authority in the kingdom of God and the kingdom of the heavenlies. And... Uh, we're also told in 1 Thessalonians 4.16 that when Jesus is getting ready to come back, there will be the voice of the archangel shouting loudly and the trumpet will blast and Christ will return. We're not told which archangel. One of them will give a big whoop and here we go. And you and I can say, whoop. God, thank you, I'm getting out of this mess and going home. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout of the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. I don't know about you. Sometimes I say, oh, today, come Lord Jesus, let me hear that angel shout. Also in scripture, we see there are fallen angels. Fallen angels function under the authority of Satan. And although evidences of this are obscure, 
we find hints in the Bible that at some point Satan led a group of angels to rebel against God. And of course, they were defeated. Uh, as I say, the verses are very sparse, but there are some. Notice Jesus said to them, I was watching Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Ezekiel 28, verses 12 to 18, presents another figure of this as well. There are others that, that people say refer to that, but in my opinion, it's too speculative, and I'll not accept those passages as, as referring to that. But Peter wrote, if God did not spare the angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell, committed them to pits of darkness, reserved for judgment. Again, here's a very unfortunate rendering. The Greek does not say he cast them into hell. It says he cast them into Tartarus. The word for hell is Gehenna. And so Tartarus, we don't really know how to identify that, but it's some kind of a prison where not all, but some of the falling angels are kept in prison waiting for the day of judgment. Uh, the epistle of Jude states, The angels who did not keep their own domain, but abandoned their proper abode, he has kept in eternal bonds under darkness for the judgment of the great day. Now, again, the scripture doesn't explain why, but there are some of these fallen angels that are not in prison, but they're running loose today as demons, doing the bidding of God and doing everything they can to defeat God. And the fires of hell, primary reason for the fires of hell are for Satan and his angels. Jesus, Matthew twenty-five forty-one, And then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, accursed ones, into the eternal fire which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. So, so much of this is rather obscure. We have to admit there's a lot we don't know. We can speculate, and frankly, there have been all kinds of bizarre books written about this stuff. And the Jewish Old Testament apocryphal book, it's not scriptural, but it is uh, the book of Enoch talks about many of these things. And frankly, I, I really get discouraged sometimes as I hear Christian preachers putting forth doctrines in the book of Enoch. <laughs> And that is not scripture. That is Jewish tradition. But in the end, all of Satan's forces, both those imprisoned and those presently today running around giving a lot of trouble, will spend eternity in the lake of fire. Now, we preached about this before, but we'll touch on it again just in passing. In Satan's demonic kingdom, there are levels of authority. The Apostle Paul, you remember, wrote and he said, you know, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers and spiritual forces in the high places, the rulers of the earth. The first one is archon. Archon means someone who answers to nobody. That's the primary authority. The second ones mentioned are exousia. Exousia are those to whom authority is given. And so these are demonic forces that have some kind of authority over certain regions. The third word is katachrismos. Katachrismos is the idea of those who are influencing governments today. They're ruling somehow in this world. 
So we have these pictures of this satanic hierarchy. And we also have then this wonderful hierarchy in God's group of angels. Remember in Daniel, he had prayed and prayed and 21 days and finally an angel showed up. He said, when you first started praying, God sent me to you, but I couldn't get through because satanic prince of Persia blocked me. He was of a higher rank and he couldn't get past that. And he was there until God sent an archangel to dispose him. Then he could get through. And there's that principle in scripture that these different levels of satanic hierarchy and there are different levels in the angelic hierarchy and this level can't handle that one. But this, they, 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 however, whatever your level is, that's a level you can fight. You and I today are foot soldiers and we fight demons. That's the level in which we battle by the filling and inspiration and empowerment of the Holy Spirit. So there are these different things that we see glimpses of uh, in, in Scripture. But this morning, our attention is drawn to these ministering spirits that God has given us, his angels. Hebrews 1, 13 and 14. To which of the angels has he ever said... Sit at my right hand until I make thine enemies a footstool for thy feet. For they're not all ministering, are not all they, all them ministering spirits sent to render service for the sake of those who will inherit salvation? Think about that. Angels' primary role is to serve you and me, those of us who are heirs. Of salvation. Psalm 91.11. He will give angels charging. Concerning you. To guard you in all your ways. And of course. You know as we read through scripture. We find a lot of instances. In which angels did that. Praise God's holy name. Now usually angels are unseen spirits. We're not aware of them. Who knows how many are in this room today. We don't know. But I assume there some are. Because they are ministering spirits, they join us, they motivate us to worship the Lord. But there are times when angels did take a physical form. One of the most interesting is Numbers 22. As the Israelites were coming out of Egypt and every place they went, they began to conquer nation after nation after nation. Nobody could withstand them. And Balak, who was the king of Moab, saw them coming his way. He thought, what can I do to stop these Israelites that are just wiping out everybody? Well, there was a prophet named Balaam, or Baalam in Hebrew, we'll say Balaam. And he sent a group of people with gifts to him and people of honor. And they said, listen, if you'll just come back to our headquarters and speak a curse on these Israelites, we'll make you great. He said, well, I can only do what God tells me. And he went to the Lord. The Lord said, don't do it. So they went back and told Balak. This time Balak sent more people, people of higher esteem, more money. You come back, we'll honor you. I have to ask God. God knew his heart, said, well, go ahead. <laughs> and he started out riding a donkey. And all of a sudden that donkey wouldn't move. Now, I don't know how many of you had experience with donkeys. I used to ride a donkey 
quite often when I was a teenager. And I'll tell you sometimes they'll just stop for no reason. Uh, I won the big one. I rode a big brown donkey uh, named Luther for quite a while. And I, one time there's a guy named Douglas Porter was behind us, and Luther stopped and didn't want to go. And Douglas got up, was going to whack him, and Luther shot that left rear hind out and hit, hit him right in the knee, and he had to go to the doctor. He didn't want to get too close to a donkey if you're going to whack it on the rear end. One time, some of us, we were in the mountains, and we all had backpacks on. We were doing an overnight camp, and we had this donkey as a pack animal. You know, you have the rack on, and then you put all your goods and put a diamond hitch with a lariat. So walking around, and on this mountain, here was a cliff, and here was a great drop-off, and this path was just wide enough for one person at a time. And here we were walking, had this donkey behind some guys behind, some guys in front, and the donkey just decided to stop. Just stop. Well, what were we going to do? You know, he couldn't get too close to whack him, <laughs> and pulling him didn't do a bit of good. I don't remember how we got out of that mess, but I'm going to tell you, that's just the way donkeys are. And so at first, that's what Balaam thought was happening, this rascally, cantankerous old beast. And the donkey just went over in a field instead of going where it should have gone. He kept beating him, and finally... Got him to go. What happened was this donkey saw an angel standing with a sword. (laughs) And he didn't want to go down that road. Went over here, same thing. He finally started walking down a path where there's two walls. And here was this angel again. So the donkey stopped and pushed Balaam's foot against the wall. (laughs) Finally walked a little more and just lay down. And Balaam was just beating the tar out of him. And then of all things, the angels of the monkey started to talk. A donkey started to talk. You remember that? Why are you doing this to me? (laughs) And then it said, God opened the eyes of Balaam and he saw the angel. There are times when these invisible celestial beings do become visible. Now, are there guardian angels? That's an interesting thought. Remember, Jesus implied that in Matthew when he said, you know, that we should not do anything to offend children. Here's what he said in Matthew 18. See that you do not, not, do not despise one of these little ones. I say to you that their angels in heaven continually behold the face of my Father who is in heaven. It's intimated there, isn't it, that every child at least has a guardian angel. The Jews strongly believe that. They believe that, and they also believe that your guardian angel at any time could become physical and manifest your form. And we see that in Acts when, you remember Acts 12, when Peter was in jail, and he was chained this wrist to a soldier on this side, this wrist to a soldier in that that size, and there were guards at the gates, and everybody was asleep. All of a sudden in the night, an angel kicked him on the side and said, Wake up, Peter. And the shackles fell off and let him out of jail, got out of the jail, got past the guards, got outside. He thought he was in a dream. Oh, this is really happening. <laughs> and so he went to the home of Mary, the mother of John Mark. That's where a house church is beating. In Jerusalem, the church had gotten so large they could not all be together. And so they met in various house churches. That probably was the one Peter was accustomed to going to. So that's where he went, knocked on the door. The servant girl, Rhoda, came to the door. Who is it? Peter. Ha! 
She got so excited, she didn't even open the door, ran tell everybody else. Oh, you're lying. That's not Peter. Yes, it is. It's Peter. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. Well, must be his angel. <laughs> they thought his angel had manifested himself physically when it was really Peter. That was a belief the Jews had. And uh, it's interesting how many traditions and things have arisen over the years. How much is speculation? How much can we know for sure? But this morning, as we approach Advent, we think of that beautiful message the angels brought to the shepherd. I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For there is born unto you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And as James mentioned today, as we begin this Advent season, what we really are doing is celebrating the beginning of the Incarnation, beginning of what makes possible John 3.16, God and the Greek word here, agape, means not emotion but choice. God loved the world in this way. He gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him might not perish but have everlasting life. This morning we have begun to celebrate the greatest story of love humanity has ever heard. This one that was placed in a manger as a baby. 33 and one-third years later, he was placed on a cross. And had to become the very thing that he hated. Jesus hated sin, but he had to become sin in our stead. What a staggering thought. So as we begin the Advent season, almost 2,000 years ago, this truth is the beginning of the love of God. Is there anyone who can find language anywhere to describe adequately the love of God? The love of God is greater far than tongue or pen can ever tell. It goes beyond the highest star and reaches to the lowest hell. The guilty pair bowed down with care. God gave his son to win. His erring child he reconciled and saved him from his sin. O oh, love of God, how great and pure. How magnificent and strong it shall forevermore endure. 
the ancient angel's song. If we were think the ocean fill, and were the sky of parchment made, were every stalk on earth a quill, and every man a scribe by trade, to write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry, nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. Oh, love of God, how rich and pure, how marvelous and strong. It shall forevermore endure the ants and angels' song. Amen. Amen. <laughs>